0: see that flashing sign up there now that sign says applesauce no no, no. I, I, i'm kidding it says applause all right now remember we're on in 10 seconds so get ready to have a good time all right here we go
1: everybody. Welcome to the Director's Club podcast. I am Jim Laskowski. I'm Patrick Rapol. And uh, with us, we have a very special guest. Our first guest live via satellite, uh, <laughs> Rennie Rangel. How are you doing, Rennie? I'm doing pretty good. That's I'm good. Be, um, yeah. all right, now, Rennie is a uh, – col- uh, he writes for Chud.com. He's one of the contributors for the weekly B-movie, uh, B-action movie column. Um, he's an avid fan of action movies, which is why we asked him on this week. Because this week we're going to be discussing John McTiernan. Yes, um, Renee. Uh, he's also uh, he's also a sixth grade teacher, and he's he's one of the most enthusiastic uh, film fans I know. So it's a pleasure <laughs> to have you on.
2: It's a pleasure to be here, Patrick.
1: All right, excellent. Um, We don't have any uh, mail. To, to discuss. No,
3: no business tonight. Yeah,
1: if you would like to send mail, you can send it to directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com.
3: Directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. But
1: so let's go into right into uh, what we watched this week.
0: We watched a movie on the TV screen, or it was at the show, or on Netflix streaming. We watched a movie. We watched a movie. Cause that's
1: what we do. We like to watch some movies. Uh, I managed to see a number of films, actually. The um, uh, first one I want to talk about is a French movie um, from 1956. It's called The Red Balloon. It actually it won... It's a... It's a, it's a I I wouldn't say short film, it's only forty minutes. I mean it's mm-hmm. forty minutes is a little long for a short film, but it's also it's not feature length. But uh it won Palm Door that year. And it's a fantasy. It's about a little boy who finds a red balloon tied to a lamp uh streetlight and uh he unties it and he drags it around with him and it basically becomes his pet. And um and in and the and the balloon starts to have a life of its own and then uh, it starts to get him in trouble when the balloon wants to like go to school with him and stuff. And it's a really cute movie with very little dialogue. And one of the uh, sort of most amazing things about it, I feel, is that the the puppet work done with the balloon is so good that – I mean it's a balloon. It doesn't have a face. It doesn't have big eyes. It doesn't meow? <laughs>
2: oh, it doesn't. I saw the red balloon when I was in middle school. Oh, yeah? yeah. I, I don't know. In health <laughs> class. <laughs> <laughs> wow he he put it on and i that i remember i specifically remember because it's you know it's a little boy in a red balloon <laughs> <What>? and, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why he put it on
1: but he put it on <laughs> i cannot see the connection to, to, my, to my, middle school my sociology
3: professor put on the bicycle thief once oh yeah just kind of randomly it's like i gotta. I, i'm more interested in working on the girls basketball plan for tonight's game that right. actually teach a class. So here's the bicycle thief for Re- you. Renny, do you ever
1: get an opportunity to do that? Like you just feel lazy and you're just, all right, well, we have a day we could waste, so here's a movie.
2: Never. I always give them work <laughs> to do. <laughs> uh. there, well, we do have movie days sometimes, and they'll pick something out. Like last year we saw Monsters versus Aliens, which I hadn't seen yet. Hmm. And I actually
1: thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, anyway, what I was what I was saying is like. The, the balloon, the way it moves around, like the puppet, I'm assuming, I mean, it's just a balloon. So I'm assuming there was fishing line or something attached to it. But it never feels like, like so much personality is given to this balloon that's just floating around. It feels like it's floating around of its own accord. And it's just, it's a really beautiful, it's shot in Technicolor. And it's a really bright, vibrant kind of movie. And you see all different sort of sights around uh, Paris. Did the balloon remind you of Wilson, the volleyball, <laughs> a little
3: bit <laughs> from Castaway?
1: <laughs> it was, but but I was I was just sort of amazed by the puppet work because, like you know, it, again it's 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 so it's such yeah, like, like a life of its own, right? And it's and it's it doesn't have anything to express emotion other than movement. Um, so I definitely see why it won the Palm d'Or. That's and it has a, really a unique approach. To- yeah, it has a really amazing ending where. And I, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a, it's a really amazing ending where the boy floats away. <laughs>
3: Aww, <laughs> oh, that's sweet! Yeah. Just like the end of the Apple.
1: Now, the other movie I wanted to talk about um, <laughs> isn't so sweet, <laughs> but it's it's sort of a it's sort of a, a pet pet uh, pet love of mine. Now, I saw Friday the Thirteenth Part Three: Jason's Revenge. Now, you might be saying, "Now, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three wasn't titled Jason's Revenge. It was part. It was three D." Um, And you'd be right, because what I saw was a fan film. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was a feature-length fan film shot on VHS, uh, edited using a VCR. And I've sort of, every once in a while, I'd say like maybe once a year, maybe twice a year... I get obsessed with slasher fan films, and I just watch a ton of them.
3: I did that after Be Kind Rewind.
1: Yeah, I saw your and... I
3: saw
2: your Facebook post about the Halloween one. It was the death of Michael Myers, right? Right. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I, I saw most of that today in the afternoon. Oh, really? I, I had nothing better to do, so I, started, <laughs> I got on
1: YouTube and I started watching it. It's 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 fascinating. There's I mean, there's a lot. There's a big fan film kind of community, especially around movies like Star Wars and stuff. Because I think mm-hmm. like one of the go to After Effects. Special effects is like a lightsaber thing. Um, But what sort of makes uh, slasher movies really like fan films really work is, number one, like all slasher movie sequels already kind of feel like fan fiction. um, Where it's just sort of, oh, and then we'll add this part and oh, there's this mythology, which we didn't plan. And it's just sort of like it's never continued by the same people. And it's always just people pulling these stories out of their ass, um, and all you need, yeah, and all you need, and all you need to make to make a Jason is to have a friend who's six foot tall who doesn't mind walking around in a hockey mask, and that's Jason. And then you know, for Michael Myers, all you need is a friend who can dress in all black and have a Michael Myers mask on. I'm
3: sure it's more entertaining than Gus Van Sant Psycho. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's got to be more entertaining. Yeah, um, although well, some, you, do, you do see Anne Hsieh's butthole. So, you know
2: some. <laughs> Get a friend who looks like Vince Vaughn who can start masturbating. Yeah, you
1: need a, to to do psycho fan fiction. You need a friend who looks like Vince Vaughn to masturbate. Um, no, but anyway, so so, and I'm kind sort of. I mean, it is paced like a Van Van Sand film sometimes because uh, because there's no story and the acting um, is so horrible. And one of the things I really uh I mean part of it is definitely nostalgia cuz I mean I think like a lot of people there was this definite period of time when I was like you know 10 to 12 where I would just make my own home movies and they'd always be rip offs of other movies and uh there's definitely like I I watched another fan film that actually had high production values of like a Friday the 13th fan film and it wasn't charming at all <laughs> like it was it really felt kind of like oh They're taking this like they work too hard. This looks too real. It's now it's just a bad Friday Thirteenth movie.
3: Yeah, I would rather watch a VHS sort
1: of version of it. What's sort of special about it? Production HD. What I think is sort of special (laughs) about those movies is it's just your friends. So it's literally no acting at all. It's just like you do the take that they get the lines right. Right. Um. And, you know, and it's always interesting because I think like a lot of fan fiction, it says a lot more about the people who make it than it does about like what they're doing. Like, they're passionate. It, yeah, they're passionate. And you always see like what parts of the movies they really liked and then mm-hmm. what parts of the movies they didn't care about. And the parts they didn't care about are always like character arcs and stuff. <laughs> and the parts of the movies they always like are like the mythology They'll get really, really – and like they'll have characters that are just like, oh, Michael Myers, the curse of the druids. Well, the only way to kill a druid is using the sword of Gunnada and uh, (laughs) we have this archaeological dig that's released this knife and blah. And you can tell like what they really love about the movies is sort of the continuing mythology, which I always actually feel is kind of one of the weakest parts of it so i love I love these fan films it's fun yeah it's the, they're all horrible I used, love, but... I used
3: to love making those really bad movies, and, yeah, but it's like where even if, even <laughs> I had a, if they I, weren't I got a kick out of killing my own
1: friends right exactly and putting <laughs> and, ketchup out of you know making ketchup all over their mouths and yeah, I rid of the character arcs I mean part three d
2: actually has like part uh, or the final chapter let's say part four those two are like probably the only two friday the 13th films that have major character development it's true
1: <laughs> it's true that's the other thing is that all the original movies all the original slasher movies are so amateurish and everything to begin with that it actually it feels less like a weird imitation and it feels like a worthy entry like like the worst friday the 13th fan film isn't that much worse than Jason takes Manhattan, you know, <laughs> Not <so> true. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm a little sick uh, this week. So that was, I, I sort of got bitten by that bug again. I can't remember exactly what it was that did it to me. I think I I was just surfing YouTube and I stumbled upon a trailer for a fan film.
2: You got me to see the death of Michael Myers, when <laughs> yeah. so you did your job. Which I saw I saw a kid in a bad bald bald
1: cap yeah. starting
2: off Donny yeah. Pleasant's lines.
1: That was great. Yeah, the guy who's trying to be <laughs> t- trying to be Loomis, and they just like put him in a bald cap, and you saw his hair peeking out at the bottom. Oh my god. Yeah,
2: and I, I just love how he's playing Loomis circa five and and four with the limp and the cane and the gun and the, and the the the, co-
1: the raincoat yeah. when this is supposed to be technically part 7 right right it's then and according to the youtube uh, the the uh, according to the summary they they made it like months after after curse of michael myers came out like they just yeah, saw it and-,
2: and they all have i think it said that they had just gotten out of high school and see they got this really long metal hair going on
1: yeah it's yeah the, the kid who's supposed to be like paul rudd like has has like shoulder length hair he tries to hide it at the beginning by putting in a ponytail yeah and then he just gives up as the production <laughs> goes on um so those that was those were the two movies i watched um uh who wants to go next renee rennie or jim
2: yeah um sure i'll go all right go for uh it. well to pick two movies i've been, I mean i've been this whole week i've been watching a lot of movies but uh to pick two i'll go with first one will be a theatrical. Uh, last Thursday, I went to go see a, a sneak preview of Drive Angry shot in 3D. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, because we were going to see it on Friday. with My girlfriend Vanessa and I were going to go see it. And then a coworker of hers, uh, he, he won four tickets to go see it because he knew a song that was playing on a local radio station. <laughs> so he invited us to go along with him and his wife. And I mean, we were expecting the theater. may you know there may be some other other people there. It turned out to be packed. And if you have seen, or anybody's listening to this has seen the dismal
1: yeah uh, the gross box for off, the, the box movie, office. you'd say
2: that what we saw is going to be unique.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a pack a packed theater is probably not what most people are going to see this as. And I loved it. it. It was great.
2: The only way to see it is in 3D for now, at least until Blu-ray and the DVD roll around. But I loved it. I mean, if anybody who's listening to this know, knows me already and they know me on the hud.com boards, they'll know that my avatar is William Fickner. Yeah. So <laughs> to see him being essentially the second lead was awesome.
3: Yeah, yeah I, I hear that Nick Cage sort of plays it down, but Fickner plays it up, hams it oh, up.
2: Oh, that's 100% truth. Fickner has a lot of fun with the role. And I, I also like, I was just thinking about this earlier, I hadn't even thought about it because I haven't written my review of it yet, or my full review, but how uh, the, the word evil has several different levels. I mean, when you see the movie, the, the character player, William Fickner, the accountant, is it necessarily what you would be perceived as evil? He doesn't really kill anybody who doesn't deserve it. Hmm. Whereas you got the Satanists led by Billy Burke that are just full-on evil. <laughs> so it's got kind of, I don't know, I don't, I'm not trying to say I'm getting too deep with it. Right. Because it's just, you know... It's well, a it's, really, got, it's got it's multiple nice...
1: levels of antagonist.
2: Yeah, that's definitely true. And um, like if anybody's listening to this, if you can see it before it gets pulled out next week, which will probably
1: happen... See it now. The people who yeah. made this—they made uh, *My Bloody Valentine* 3D, which oh. I did. It's one of the few 3D movies I've really enjoyed, um, just because of the
3: 3D. Like they, they, they
1: really, they really go full gimmick on that movie. Yeah. Was there a lot of like fun sort of things flying at you and stuff in this one as well? Like boobs? Absolutely. Patrick <laughs> Lussier knows
2: how to exploit 3D. Yeah. Oh, None boy. of this. Oh, we're gonna use it for the story. <laughs> to use, a, to, use a, to use a line that my. My friend from the big movie column, Eric's Antoine, he used that as well. Because, yeah, it's true. I mean, they're, what they're trying to do with 3D is they're trying to integrate it into the story. And, I mean, what we want is just
1: cheap, full-on, throw shit in your face. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a gimmick, so it's best used when it's, like, really gimmicky and fun. Yeah, like in Piranha. Yeah.
3: Piranha did it really
1: well.
2: Oh, uh, don't get me started about Piranha. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and, um, well, I guess to pick a second movie, it's, it's kind of hard, but uh, I guess I'll go with Night of the Scarecrow. I saw that on Netflix Instant. It's not on DVD, but, you know. Is that anybody that Anybody who has Netflix, they know that Netflix has a lot of movies on Instant that aren't even on DVD. Yeah. Hmm. And G- I saw that, that one that... Sunday. And it's it's pretty good. It's it's different than some of the other scarecrow movies that are out there, oh, okay. like William Wesley's Scarecrows. And uh, it's directed know. by Jeff Burr. He directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Three. It's got uh, it's got a pretty good cast actually. It's got recent Oscar nominee John Hawks in it. Oh, and cool. S- yeah, Stephen Rune. <laughs> I love that Bruce guy. Bruce Glover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's got some good gore effects in it. It's got a decent <clears> plot. I mean, it's only eighty-four minutes, so there can be there can be crappier movies you can watch in that time.
1: Right. Yeah. It doesn't. It does. It's not too long. Uh, yeah. I actually, I, I thought you were talking about Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Now, have you seen that?
2: Yes, I have. I
1: thought you were talking actually, about. God, I thought...
2: I've seen it. Well, I bought the DVD, but to say a real quick story about that, I actually saw Dark Knight of the Scarecrow for the first time in two thousand and two, and I remember the exact date. Because it was the same day Jason X came out, oh. and yes, I, I yes I saw that, and I was, was not good. Yeah, yeah. I actually I, mean, I actually
1: saw Jason X for the first time this week as well, and it I like the fan <laughs> film better. <laughs> that says a lot.
2: And and the guy who wrote Drive Angry three D wrote Jason X also.
1: That's right. Whoa, I did I did God. look that up. It's all yeah, connected. And,
2: I mean I saw the, I had to, I stayed up late. To watch Dark Knight of the Scarecrow and the next day, it was still a Friday night. It mm-hmm. was aired on TBS like at twelve or one. And I remember because the next day I had to go take my uh, exit test to well, it was a college test. The ACT is what they called it. Mm-hmm. And let's let's just say I wasn't in the greatest of moves when I got up a couple hours later because <laughs> I stayed up watching the movie. I mean, but it was worth it. The movie's really good. It's really atmospheric.
1: Um and now in, in Night of the Scarecrow, um, uh, how does what's the how does the scarecrow come? Because in Dark Night, the scarecrow, the scarecrow is a it's a reincarnated um, mentally challenged, yeah, retarded, retarded <laughs> man uh, who was who was wrongfully killed by a bunch of people. What what's the backstory for the scare? Because I always like the the fact that scarecrows have backstories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in this one, it's it's basically
2: war. It's basically warlock. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, a, 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 a warlock had gotten. Killed way back when he got buried underneath where it just so happens to be where there's a scarecrow <laughs> and he ends up possessing the scarecrow and he has he has a lot of he, he a lot of the deaths are pretty cool he uses he uses uh, like one girl he wants to give her his seed <laughs> and then she ends up like sprouting lots of um oh what is it I I, I guess it's like the
1: corn husks and they just right. drag her off mm-hmm. or something Son, like that sounds a little bit like leprechaun. Uh, the...
2: yeah. he, ha- he has himself a couple of one-liners but it the I- i'd say the gore effects are actually pretty effective and he doesn't get too jokey but yeah i think the one thing that i noticed that was really jokey was that he's like i'm gonna give you my seed and yeah. he has this, his finger basically turns into a penis I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all of the best movies have a finger basically turning into a penis i feel um i feel that night of the scarecrow and videodrome are two of my favorites um Wow. Uh, I was I was thinking it'd be funny it'd be funny if instead of a scarecrow over where the warlock was buried they like it was a garden gnome or a, like a little <laughs> like a pink flamingo lawn ornament or something. It's like it was, it was it was night of the big reflective ball or something. <laughs> Wasn't Just like a... that
2: Goosebumps store, there was one about <coughs> gnomes, lawn gnomes. Oh, that's right. There was a lawn There was. I never read it, but I remember the cover. They have yeah. these little malevolent-looking little lawn ornament gnomes. <laughs> I think all lawn gnomes
3: look <laughs>
1: malevolent.
3: <laughs> malevolent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I can't pronounce it. Why hasn't there been a horror movie with
1: gnomes? I'm
3: sure there has. Hmm.
1: I'm sure I'll somewhere. See. I'm sure on Netflix Instant there's The guys who gnome. do the
3: Puppet Master series should get behind that. Yeah, uh, Full what, Moon. What, Full Moon, yeah. Full Moon, yeah. yeah. Charles Mann. Good stuff. All right. I um, was I was thinking that was when you said Night of the Scarecrow, there was a, I was thinking of a Gene Hackman movie. What, just, Gene Hackman <laughs> is, like, <laughs> is there a movie where Gene Hackman gets reincarnated as a scarecrow? <laughs> no, but there is a Gene Hackman movie called Scarecrow. Oh, okay. Is in which he it, plays, is on, a, he plays an con with one. with Al Pacino.
1: Oh it's so is Scarecrow is a metaphor in this in this title, not a literal. No,
3: yeah. Sca- he doesn't start singing like uh if I only had a brain. Either. Right. well um i watched a few good men because um i've been kind of on a aaron sorkin kick Mm -hmm. lately um i i was shown an episode of the west wing for the first time and i kind of went oh well this guy can write some awesome dialogue yeah (laughs) to say the least i I haven't seen west
1: wing but i'm a big fan of sports night
3: yeah and i got obviously we all got a taste of it with social network and everything but i'm i was just curious to see like has he always been this good? I mean, I know he's primarily um, a playwright and that's how he started out. Um, And, you know, I was kind of surprised much like um, um, the servant that uh, a few good men wasn't, wasn't based on a play, but it it felt like it because it was very theatrically staged. Uh And obviously everybody knows the, you know, some of the famous dialogue from this movie Mm -hmm. And but Jack Nicholson only has he has a very minor role in that. Well, he has a major role in terms of the plot, but he's hardly in it very much. And I really love this movie, but there's just two scenes that keep it from being a masterpiece. Like because I I feel like sometimes Aaron Sorkin overwrites. Yeah. Like he like he wants to nail you know put the message into the audience so intensely. And not, I don't think he's very good with subtlety, and it kind of shows in a couple of scenes. I mean, a lot of that could be Rob Reiner too, towards because like the end of this movie, literally patriotic music plays, and you get a close up
2: of the Marine saluting. Mm-hmm. And Jack Nichols is not a very subtle actor, either. No. True, no, no, <laughs> not, um, in no not in that one. No, unless he's yeah. unless he's
3: directed by Alexander Payne, and that's the thing. It's like they could have taken one scene out. Like, they, they took scenes out that would have added more of a, a, a mystery element to the movie. But because two scenes in particular were put in and not cut out, it, took a, it undermined some of the dramatic impact. Like, there's literally a scene before the final courtroom showdown at the end where Tom Cruise lays out his plan to everybody else. And so, when you actually see his plan in action, it's sort of not as dramatically impactful. Like, if I had no idea what Tom Cruise's plan was going to be, I would have been more shocked by the actual execution of it, the actual watching it. But uh, that's the problem is, like, I think Aaron Sorkin is an amazing writer and he wants to put everything out there and doesn't want to cut scenes. And I'm sure he's cut a lot of stuff, but it it just seemed like, you know, besides the amazing dialogue, and it's actually, you know, one of those Mm -hmm. typical courtroom murder mystery type movies I still really liked it, and I st- I think uh, you know the supporting cast is really good. There's a lot of uh, character actors in this that are you know that at the time we didn't know too much too well, but I think this is like Kevin Pollak's first big role, and uh, um, J T. Walsh, who's awesome. Christopher- J T. Walsh is in this. Christopher Guest plays a psychiatrist, and he's kind of. Unrecognizable. I didn't
2: even know Aaron Sorkin wrote this movie.
3: Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. like, I was looking back at his IMDb, and I'm like, oh, he wrote Malice, which totally makes sense because Alec Baldwin says, "You think I have a god complex? Well, let me tell you, I am God." (laughs) And that's like, and and that takes that takes place in a deposition room, (laughs) so it's like Aaron Sorkin does have. You know, uh, reoccurring things in in yeah. in his work. Yeah, I I, I, I like. feel
1: like he's it's not. Uh, I feel it's it's not um it's it's he's not Oliver Stone like he has no he has more subtlety than that. Yeah, but he uh, he does he does go big. Um, and he does he's not afraid to. Charlie Wilson's War is another one.
3: I need to see that. You know what? I I did see I that. Didn't once. i didn't want you
1: to see that one. I still haven't gotten around to that, it. Philip Seymour Hoffman is hysteric. Like the, right. Philip Seymour Hoffman, there's a the scene where his, his character is introduced is like I laugh so hard. The movie's pretty good. Um, it's it's not great, but it's it's good. It's definitely worth seeing. But Philip yeah, Seymour Hoffman's Julia character Roberts is so kind of funny, ruining,
3: ruining it a little bit.
1: Oh, you don't you don't like Julia Roberts? <laughs> not
3: really. I mean, I don't. I you know she's been, <coughs> she's been good in Aaron Brokovich, I think. But mm-hmm. you know,
1: does, that's she like the do- last really good movie she did. Actually, yeah, that's probably it. But yeah, it, even in that one, you, he's not that subtle. Right, um, I
3: need to rewatch that now that I'm on a Sorkin kick. That's yeah, but you know, I it, it is what it is. It's you know what you know where it's going, but it's still it's still very entertaining, and it's cool to see some character actors in this that are like, oh, that guy and the guy from Safe is in it for a little while. It's like that guy keeps popping oh, up in all these Zander, movies. Xander Berkeley. Yeah, he keeps popping up, and like we talked about, Candy. Does Man. he play
1: an asshole husband?
3: No, he plays an asshole marine. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, we were he talking, we were asshole. talking in
1: a, was that, it wasn't the last episode, it was the episode before that, like Xander Berkeley just always cast as the asshole husband in every movie.
3: Yeah.
1: I, I didn't even,
2: I almost didn't recognize him in Taken, because he almost looks unrecognizable there. Oh, yeah. oh is he in that? Yeah, he, he's the asshole husband of Funky Jensen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's great. Oh my god. I'm so glad that, like, you know, he his typecast, he's still able to get work now. Hmm. You know, a lot of people, once they're typecast, they like age out of a, they age out of it or something, but right. Xander probably remember... asshole forever. <laughs> <laughs> and Poor I, guy. I... <laughs> to be fair, if your name is Xander, was he an asshole in Terminator two? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, he was the foster parent. Oh, okay. He was the foster dad. The asshole got... foster parent.
3: Yeah. Okay. See, yeah. <laughs> but, um, well you, you were talking about Phil Seymour Hoffman sort of stealing the show in Charlie Wilson's war and, um, to segue into the next movie I watch, John C. Riley is a, like every line of dialogue he has in the movie Cedar Rapids is golden. Yeah. He's a, probably the funniest he's ever been. Well, besides Step Brothers, I think this is probably his best comedic role, like straight comedy. Um, but Cedar Rapids is a really great, sort of low key, Alexander Payne esque kind of a movie. Although. It's not nearly as profound and, you know, it has flaws, but at the same time, I sort of looked past him because I was so won over by the characters. There's a lot of camaraderie. Um, It was directed by Miguel Arteta, who I talked about last week, Chuck and Buck. Oh, right, right. That's a a reason why I wanted to see this and... (laughs) you know, I had some time to kill, and i it's only 80 minutes long, which is kind of one of its flaws. I felt like it could have been fleshed out a little bit more. It was kind of in a hurry to wrap things up at the end. But um, it's pretty much just all about Ed Helms playing another sort of socially awkward hometown boy who's never really been to any sort of big city. It's almost like, you know, he's just kind of the opposite of Funny Farm where he, he's really intimidated by going to, um, uh, he's really intimidated by going on a plane and flying to a large city and uh, trying to get to know other people because he's—it's always just been him alone, and that seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of uh, Miguel's movies. It's like the, the the sort of socially reclusive guy trying to get out of his shell, right? And watching that, like it, Chuck and Buck, and this is yeah, and Ed, Ed Helms really portrays this really well. And the only reason why it's like. I, I I felt as I was watching it that I liked it more than than something like The Hangover is because a lot of the comedy comes from the characters and not necessarily gags involving the characters. Right. Like, their actions, you know, they're flawed and funny and very realistic, and there are definite moments that remind me of Alexander Payne. Um but it's still not it, it's it's definitely more it's not something you wanna rush out to see. It's it's a it's a solid rental. You'll be very happy with it. Um I don't know if it's gonna stick with me long term, but I had a great time watching it. It's it's a very funny and sweet movie with really great characters. Um and Haish was actually pretty tolerable in it. <laughs> um But yeah, no, I I I, I really like Cedar Rapids. It's it's sort of um it's very low key, which is also kind of um Kind of not necessarily a flaw, but just you know, there's no over the top slap sticky moments in it and I kind of liked it. But John C. Riley, even though he sort of starts off as a caricature, does have a little bit of an arc of his own. And it reminded me a lot of another John C. Riley movie I liked called The Promotion, which not a lot of people saw. Um but, yeah, that was a really great. you need to watch that movie, Patrick. The
1: promotion or cedar Rapids
3: the pr- both, but the promotion more <coughs> because it's about guys who work in grocery stores and there's literally end cap wars and <laughs> it's like just stuff that like the co- like different vendors getting into fights, and it's about grocery store managers oh, and how right. they, and they they can be as competitive as you know a CEO <laughs> or something you know like it's i like I really like the promotion a lot. It reminded me of this movie quite a bit. And uh, any any anytime Jenna Fisher's in a movie, that's that's a good thing too.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Do you guys uh, mind if I mention one more movie that I saw this week? No, go for it. It's
3: all right. All right. We're, we're good yeah, because
2: I yeah I uh, I saw the Deer Hunter. Ooh. I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it in a while, and just I don't even remember why I thought about it. And I I grabbed my Legacy series DVD and revisited it, and it's still just as powerful as I remember, and it's a really funny movie people just seem to remember the Russian roulette stuff and all the other depressing crap but some of the early stuff like when they first go deer hunting and John Cazell's whining about this is not it they changed it this is not it stuff like that it just makes me laugh does it have
3: another really long wedding sequence like the Godfather did am I thinking of a I wonder if there was a really long wedding at the beginning I feel like there was a wedding yeah. yeah I remember it being pretty like pretty long but i was still i was still into it when i saw it i
1: actually have not seen it i i I recently christopher
3: walken i think won for it didn't
1: he yeah yeah he did i I read an article recently about uh michael how do you pronounce the name chiamino
3: camino i always i've
1: always said i've always said cimino cimino oh yeah Semino sounds right (laughs) yeah camino Um, but yeah, I read it. I read it. Chud's been doing this thing about movies that get cock blocked by other movies or, <laughs> you, know, you know, that's like,
2: probably why I wanted to see it.
1: Yeah. So I, I read it about, I read an I read an uh, article that, uh, Damon wrote about, uh, his next movie Gates of heaven. Um, heaven's gate or gates of heaven. Heaven's, 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 gate. heaven's gate. gate. Heaven's gate. Gates of heaven is the Errol Morris movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen heaven's gate. Yeah. Heaven's gate. So, and I actually, I haven't it. seen either, but I'm interested in it. Uh, Heaven's
2: Gate is, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a great movie. It's really long, and I know that Cimino has that thing going on where he, it seems like, it seems like we're talking, y'all were talking about Aaron Sorkin, how he doesn't like to cut things. Yeah. And it seems like he has the same problem. Hmm. Because he ends up with these things that are just way too long. I mean, Heaven's Heaven's Gate, I found it, I I was watchable, but that's just me.
1: Yeah, Um, I'm I'm interested in seeing it. And uh, I'm also interested in seeing Deer Hunter just because, like, I think the only movie of Walkins that I've seen from back when he was just an actor and not like a comedic force. Dead Zone. Was Dead Zone, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm actually like, you know, I haven't seen many. Or, you know, I, I get, you know, King of New York. It, he's, that's not a comedic performance. You're such performance. a
3: fan of musicals. I'm surprised you haven't
2: seen well, pennies from He's an Pat- Annie
1: Hall, Patrick. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
2: <laughs> He they does. were showing that on Sunday. My dad was watching it, and we're just like laughing so much.
1: God, that scene is incredible.
2: Yeah, he's just—he's so quiet, but you know he's crazy.
1: It's—it's—it's it's, it's <laughs> amazing. Like Woody Allen has a really—I don't know if it's him or maybe he's just a specific casting director he uses, but he like consistently. You go through his older movies, and you'll see people like John C. Riley and Daniel Stern, and like all these people before Sharon Stone's first movie was a uh, Woody Allen movie. It was uh, Stardust Memories.
0: Oh, and like he just picks right, yeah. these
1: people before they're big, like uh, Seth Green, David. Seth Green when he was a kid. Oh, that's
3: right. Seth Green was in uh, radio, Davis. Jeff
1: Goldblum and Sigourney Weaver. Yes, oh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, Sigourney Weaver, and Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is he, he just has like that one scene. He's so funny in that. Mm-hmm. He
2: could have been the same character from Deer Hunter, but even though this one came out before, <laughs> 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 well, now, now he's I really, he's really good in the Deer Hunter, especially towards, towards the end. He's All right, just a force in that movie, and it was real, it was John Cazale's last movie also. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, man. that's another guy. He
1: just he did like he was a sniper with his movie roles. He just did was what amazing. Many, he did he did the two Godfathers. He did Dog Day Afternoon. He did Conversation, and the Deer Hunter.
2: Oh wow! I saw that. Re- I bought that. Really, I thought it was gonna be a feature length documentary. And it's only like about forty some odd minutes about him. I yeah, I think that Target, was made for like
1: stars or for one of the pay cable stations
2: yeah I, that's the only thing i was disappointed is it was so short but then again he only did a handful of movies but the one thing that they you know trumpet so much is that every movie he made was nominated for best picture even godfather 3 which which they use archive footage was nominated <laughs> for best
1: picture wow. <laughs> that's why they go oh man john casel <laughs> it wasn't for <laughs> sophia Coppola, that's for sure <laughs> yeah
3: yeah oh wow <clears throat> I think we're just about ready to transition over into mr mctiernan
1: yeah i think so um on. yeah let's uh let's talk about the john mctiernan and his two movies in the late 80s predator and die hard
0: oh my my
3: the director likes to make some movies why why because movies are fun oh my my we're gonna discuss a director. why why because we like it that way. Why? Why? It's time to discuss a director now. I hope that's okay.
1: Predator is an action movie from 1987 about a squad of special forces commandos led by Arnold Schwarzenegger who drop into a Central American country on a rescue mission only to find themselves in need of rescuing when they begin to be hunted by an invisible extraterrestrial hunter. What are we
0: going to do? In a part of the world where there are no rules,
1: we pick up their trailer, the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody
0: knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, kid. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior we need the best that's why you're here but now what's got billy so spooked there's something out there waiting for us and it ain't no man they're up against the ultimate enemy holy mother of god nothing like it has ever been on earth before she says the jungle just came alive and took him. we cannot see it no blood no bodies we
1: have nothing. Um, before we start about talk about the first movie, uh, a little history about John McTiernan. He's not as interesting. I don't think a character is Joseph Losey, but uh, <laughs> John McTiernan, he was born in Albany, New York, in 1951. He attended Juilliard, and he received an MFA from AFI, LOL. Uh, he, <laughs> <laughs> he, became, he became one of the most sought-after action directors in Hollywood after the one-two punch of 1987's Predator and 1988's Die Hard. Um, so let's start with Predator. I
3: didn't know you can get a master's of fine arts from the, from the band, from the punk band AFI. Yes. Yes. Wow.
1: I think we did. I think we did a joke about the punk band AFI in the last episode. Oh, wow. I um, forgot about that. American film Institute saying this AFI. So Predator, I feel is,
3: you know, <laughs> sort
1: of one of the best action movies of all time, certainly. Um, and I think it's kind of perfect um, in its, in its structure, the way we were introduced to these sort of badass commandos um, and the and they're really good at what they do. And then, once they start to be hunted, you go, oh, shit, this predator is the ultimate badass. And then at the end, when Arnold Schwarzenegger defeats it, you realize, oh, no, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger's the ultimate badass. Which is, the th- I think, which is the thesis of this movie, I think, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the ultimate badass. And, um, I don't know, I really like it. I like, um, I like how uh, it sort of balances the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie with... It has one-liners like "stick around" when he he throws a knife into a guy, and
3: <laughs> those don't quite work as well as they would. No, in other but it, movies, I think it balances
1: but... it pretty well in that sort. Of, and then he it has, does, yeah. It has that sort of Schwarzeneg- early Schwarzenegger movie thing where he was always doing feats of strength, like in Commando, he's always picking up tall, like phone booths and and uh, <laughs> stuff. And in this, he he picks up a he picks up the back of a truck. Yeah, um, and then makes it go.
3: That is a phenomenal action sequence. Like you think mostly of the predator, and you know, like how intense it gets <clears throat> and how quality the kills are once the predator starts taking on the uh, the team. But that entire action sequence is really well constructed, from what I remember of it. It it's is really, really good. I mean, outside of the predator itself, I I think McTiernan is a really confident director. He knows how to cut things and. You know, like, someone like Christopher Nolan, I th- you know, and, like, obviously in, it's a whole other realm, but, you know, with comic book movies, he really doesn't know how to cut action scenes together, or at least place the camera in places that make it interesting, and McTiernan always does that. He always keeps things moving, but you still know what's going on, who's attacking who, and it's never, it's never like, well, sloppy. Yeah.
1: I, think, I think even more in Die Hard, but in this as well, what really makes the action sequences work is the geography of everything. You yes. always know how it's all laid out. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I like how it it balances sort of the Arnold movie with, um, the 18, with the, (laughs) yeah, with the, with the more commando based, you know, Bill Duke is great in it and, um, you know, Shane Black's in it and Jeff, Jesse Ventura, they, they, you know, they're not given the short stick. They all have sort of characters and they're all given sort of moments on their own.
3: Right. And that's, that's a lot to the screenwriters credit too, for fleshing them out.
1: Right. Yeah. They actually have uh, story arcs exactly
3: yeah.
1: and it makes you actually care when they get picked off
3: yeah and I've, I've i've learned my lesson after seeing this movie to never make jokes about my girlfriend's pussy because I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be i'm gonna be the first to go
1: apparently well yeah see screenwriter screenwriter shane black was uh, was cast i think i think the story is he was cast in the movie only so like he would be on set to punch up dialogue like they could just go to him and be like oh what should arnold saying there I've been
2: working with the impression that he just ad libs all of his long- own lines.
1: Yeah. Because they all sound like
2: vintage Shane Black. Yeah, yeah. they do.
1: And, it's, and I just like, I it. was like, well, my character is the guy who makes my girlfriend has a big pussy jokes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's It's a unique character within the realm of action movies. Yeah. Um, um, I really yeah, but I think I think supporting cast is also what really makes it work. I really like the sort of the internal struggles besides the the big one of, oh shit, there's a predator hunting us the internal struggles between Arnold and Carl Weathers. And by the way, I don't I just I every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie I just sort of see him as playing himself. I don't, you know, so I always, I never refer to him as the character. I always just refer to him as Arnold. Even in Junior? Even in Junior. I'm just oh, like, man. oh man, remember that one time Arnold Schwarzenegger got pregnant?
2: <laughs> remember that one time Arnold Schwarzenegger fought with a bunch of Santa Claus?
1: <laughs> 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 Did you remember that one time Arnold Schwarzenegger punched the devil? Oh my God, I
3: forgot about that.
1: Um, uh, but the, the supporting characters, one of my favorite one being Bill Duke. Uh, yeah.
2: He's Bill. the one that has the biggest story arc.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bill Duke is such an intense guy and he's he's able to be really quietly intense. Uh we I talked about a movie last last week, uh Action Jackson, where he's the he's the police chief. That's one of my favorites. And uh he he's like instead of the screaming kind of police chief, uh he he's just like really quiet and intense. He tense. underplays it. And he yeah. does
3: and he does that in here, and it's even when he's like mourning over uh jesse ventura passing away it's like it's believable i mean yeah there's music underneath (coughs) it but it's actually like oh man they were really good friends and it's bill duke really sells it in every way and that's i love that guy
2: once he starts losing it too i mean he really uses that that safety razor
3: (laughs) (laughs) how much fun would it have been to shoot up the jungle the way they did that moment that would have been awesome
1: I love that they just that there is there is a four minute section of the movie where they're just shooting machine. They guns. I don't even know yeah. why they are shooting. Them, they're just no, shooting them. we hit literally nothing. It's like we got a parking lot.
3: Yeah, they paved paradise and they put up a parking lot.
1: Oh man, oh, that wow. I think I think I think I would like to take that clip of the movie and put big yellow taxi over it. <laughs>
3: Oh, hey, YouTube mashup. Get on it.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: we always come up with something like that. And it's it's kind of hard to
2: imagine now the way that the Predator is with uh, Kevin Peter Hall since he saw that originally it was Jean-Claude Van Damme.
1: That's right.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so do you um, either of you guys remember Predator 2? Have you seen it? Uh, I, cause I, yes. I think I've seen it
1: once and I don't have a clear memory of it. If it, I, saw I, it, saw it
2: I saw the beginning yesterday.
1: Hmm. Really? I saw it fairly recently. I saw it. I think sometime last year. Huh. Yeah, because on the
2: Chud boards, I'm one of the biggest champions of Predator Two. Is that right? Because I, yeah, because I, 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 love it. It's, it's, it's got a lot of action in it. It doesn't take itself seriously. It's
1: Gary Busey. I'm, I'm
2: Gary. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if, I mean, if you want to not taking yourself seriously, you got Gary Busey. I think yep. Gary
1: Busey and Bill Paxton have a contest in this mo- in uh, Predator Two, <laughs> for not taking I, I, themselves I, seriously.
2: I love the the interaction between. Danny Glover and Gary Busey were Gary Busey's like, that's, that's right, what? Lieutenant. Otherworld life, and then Danny Glover's like, huh? And he's Like a fucking alien. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, the music in Predator is really great too. Um, the score and the um, Alan Silvestri. Silvestri. Did the, the, did the score. What else and has he done? Back to the Future, baby. Oh,
2: there you go. Yeah.
3: Probably one of my all-time Recently
2: A-Team. Stars.
3: Oh, he and, did? Yeah.
2: Yeah, he did it.
3: Yeah. And I, I like the little jungle, little effects, like the sort of jungle beats kind of going on in the mm-hmm. background when things first start out. It's not always, always over the top. I've always said
2: that the score is like the third, the third, or the, or the, or the third, the third lead or like the third <laughs> node to the stool because it's so at the front. It's so yeah. bombastic.
3: Yeah, no, it complements the Predator himself when, you know, it's like really when it, when the Predator is in full camouflage and hiding, all you hear is like these little background ambient sounds. But then when he finally attacks, the score is raised to a full volume. So it really it, it really works well together in that way. But it's uh. not also insanely like bombastic either.
1: Yeah, I like, like how it,
2: I don't know. I thought it gets loud for me sometimes. I mean, during certain portions, or maybe it's just the five point one
1: audio. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a little loud. Um, I I, I also like how. Uh, I mean, they went out and they shot it in a real jungle. Right. Um, and I like Mexico, that, baby. <laughs> What's that? It's in Mexico. I think it's where they filmed it at. Oh, really? Huh. There you go. Uh, that's a that's a, that's a close stand-in for a Central American. Uh, country but um um the uh i like how it's there's this sort of idea of like you get it with the scorpions crawling and then the vultures like when they first find the first skinned body and there's a whole bunch of vultures that they have to like shoo away this sort of idea of man versus nature and then what's sort of interesting is once you sort of get a clear idea that the predator isn't well i mean the first shot of the movie is a spaceship approaching Earth. Right. So you know it's not nature, but once they get a clearer idea of what they're fighting, that it's a like a space alien with technology, it's not the actual woods coming alive. Like in The Happening. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> the it's wind's not, chasing us. Yeah, they don't have to run away <laughs> from the wind. But um, it's sort of interesting how the way Arnold inevitably defeats the Predator is by going back to nature. As a, it's not by firing a bunch of machine guns. It's by covering themselves in mud to defeat the technology and setting up, you know, traps with tree trunks and stuff like that. Hmm. Good point. Um, yeah, and it
2: it's interesting, like how the predator has all this has all this advanced technology, like the, the aforementioned spaceship. But what it uses, what it likes to use, is a lot of very old fashioned type of tools.
1: Yeah. yeah. I almost, to repair his I almost feel like I almost feel like the predator like isn't as I feel like the predator isn't a badass because he has so much technology. It's like <laughs> once you can make yourself invisible and you can like jump around the trees and stuff, I feel like you're not really fair hunting. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only problem I have, and it's it's
3: minor, it's not a big deal. I think there's a little bit too many of the of the predator, too much of the predator vision. Too many cutaways of the sort of oh, yeah. high level chroma key thermal sort of point of view shot from the predator, especially towards the end when Arnold is fighting him. I would have just much rather have not had any predator vision.
1: Oh yeah, by and, then definitely. Yeah, I yeah. liked it's it though. Used... Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, no you so go, go ahead.
2: ahead. Uh, and I was gonna say, it, the, yeah, the first time it's used really well mm-hmm. when he picks up the, the the dead scorpion. You see the the clawed hand, yeah, and then they really do cool. that little stinger.
1: And, he, and, he's, and he's repeating the voice samples, the anytime from Bill Duke and the, the uh, I think of the Native American laughing at um, Shane Black's pussy joke. Uh- <laughs> I would have liked to
3: have seen his death, too. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, a, it's substantial. Maybe it's some deaths are better left to the imagination. But, like, he gets out a knife and he's like, I'm ready to get you, Predator. <laughs> and then it cuts away to just him screaming. Was like, That's Aw. one of the
2: big things that everybody was talking about last year too, when <laughs> Predators came out, and people were there was wasn't it on the Chud boards, Patrick, where there was like two or three pages worth of just talking about that.
1: I actually didn't even <laughs> see. I didn't actually didn't even see Predators, so I'm I'm not too sure, but oh, but you didn't read the thread. No, I don't think so. Oh, because there there was like a
2: lengthy discussion on how fu- they actually showed because there's there's a there's a Japanese. Uh, Yakuza guy and he, he fights a predator with a samurai sword. It's a short fight, but I, I thought it was pretty cool and I thought, well they're they're trying to actually show a guy fighting a predator, kinda like what we missed out on with seen in the first one. And everybody there you know, there were people most everybody to say well it's better left to the imagination. When they were actually showing it this one time, well,
1: I, I think it can. I think it can go either Maybe it would have gotten way. old after a while. It's just just, just to see way... gory
3: kill after gory kill. <laughs>
1: I th- I think you what you do see in Predator is really I think uh, I especially I mean the one I always remember is Carl Weathers' yeah. arm being cut off and with the gun still still firing. shooting.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great. Effect.
1: <clears throat> I think what you do see is pretty effective, mm-hmm. and I do think there's a certain uh, level of. You need to leave some something to the imagination. I haven't again. I haven't seen Predators, so I couldn't comment on that specific. I thought you had seen it. No, no, not yet.
3: Maybe I'll do a double feature: of Predator Two and Predators. I'm kind of curious about the remake myself.
1: Did, I like I like Predator Two. I mean, I love Danny Glover. Okay, so I yeah, lo- Pre- uh, Danny Glover's I, my. Favorite. I really
2: like Predator Two. They and also I, I like. It's the same guys who wrote the first one, and they even bring in more weaponry for the Predator. Also,
1: oh yeah, and a, I like. I, I, I do feel almost that the Predator versus L.A. gangs isn't even taken advantage of enough because I really like that I, that concept, and it, I do like the sort of early 90s thing that this was hop, This was popular for like, I think maybe like a one-year period mm-hmm. where all of the evil gangs in, in movies were all like Haitians or like voodoo or Jamaican gangs. <laughs>
2: Mark for Death was, was the other one. <sighs> In nineteen ninety, because Predator two, that's when it came out, and Mark for Death is the other one. They both use Jamaican gangs, right?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I always, I always, I always wanted to go, but like, I always be interested in reading. I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do the research. I'm too lazy, but I'd be interested <laughs> in reading like uh, an article or something about how how like the races of villains in in like Hollywood movies relates to like sort of. Current political climates and stuff.
3: Yeah, much like, you know, the body snatcher movies were sort of commenting on what was going on politically at the time. Yeah,
1: but I mean, I wonder like where the Jamaican thing comes because there wasn't like, oh, remember that period in the early 90s where America and Jamaica were on unfriendly (laughs)
2: terms?
1: (laughs) But, um, so yeah. And
2: Predators isn't, uh, it isn't a remake. It's actually just kind of like a continuation.
1: Yeah. They referenced the first one. Predators, yeah, Predators takes place on their planet, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, it's it's a
2: game reserve, actually. Okay. Huh. Yeah, it, well, it's like it's another planet, but it's, they, that's what – I remember I thought the same thing, too, that it was going to be on their planet, and then I think later on they reveal that it was – it's it, they refer to it as, well, Adrian Brody and them referred to it as a game reserve, but it's kind of like it's another planet, but it's their hunting ground.
1: Right, right, huh. right. Yeah, I like Adrian Brody a lot. I I just I didn't get a chance to see Predators. I mean, uh, yeah, Predators He actually did a really good job.
3: Yeah, I like the director. I think it was Nimrod, someone, right? Didn't he do Predators?
2: Yeah.
1: What else yeah. did he do?
3: Uh, Vacancy, which I really liked.
2: Con, con, control. Yeah. One? Yeah. Oh, I, that was Control.
3: Good. I haven't seen that, but I, I want to.
2: It was on Instant. I saw. It. I saw it when it was on Instant. It was pretty funny.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in that other in that guy's work. It's.
2: it's it's like Clerks but in a subway.
1: <laughs> I thought I for the like I I only like found out like uh, right after it was released that I thought it was Robert Rodriguez directing that one.
3: Yeah, I think he just produced it or something. Yeah, he produced it.
1: Yeah. I thought he, he did. I thought he directed it and then and then like when it came out I looked it up and I realized that it wasn't him.
3: Yeah, maybe it was for the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we move on? Yeah, uh, let's any... move
1: on to uh Die Hard. A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife.
0: Instead, he's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, twelve terrorists have declared war. They are about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. There is brilliant because I am interested in the six hundred and forty million dollars in your vault. As they are ruthless. But I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We're doing it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants... thanks damn it, think. ...is to be a hero. Where's Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing?
2: Good job. They have already killed one hostage. This
3: channel is reserved for emergency calls only.
0: Who is he? Who are you then? You are plotting Roberson for a security guard. Yeah. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go with
1: double jeopardy? Do you really think you have a chance against our sophisticated
0: cowboy? Yippee guy.
3: New York City policeman John McClain is visiting his estranged wife and two daughters on Christmas Eve. He joins his wife at a business holiday party in the headquarters of the Japanese-owned business that she works for. But the festivities are indeed interrupted by a group of terrorists who decide to take over Nakatomi Plaza and everyone in it. Very soon, John McLean realizes that there's no one to save the hostages but him. With no way of anyone getting in or out, it's up to McLean to stop them all. And I will just go on the record and say that Die Hard is my all-time favorite action movie yeah it is pretty much perfect and at even at like you know a two hour plus running time and it's tight um McTiernan basically introduces a lot of interesting elements and I think they all work and they all sort of tie together in some way or another um the uh, action sequences are flawless, and even in, even when there's downtime or there's just character play or character interaction, it's compelling. You're not like just waiting for you know more action sequences. I mean, there's and it's basically you know an excellent psychological mind game between um, John McClane and the leader of this group of terrorists. Probably one of the top five villains of all time, played by Alan Rickman. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. No, it's definitely a perfect movie, and it
3: is. And when I was watching it, um, the thing that stood out, and maybe it's something I should have known ahead of time as as a movie geek, but Jean de Bont shot this movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, that totally makes sense. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I wasn't aware of his um. Previous work as a cinematographer, as much as um you know his work on st- with stuff like Speed, but um, it's funny because uh, when I looked him up, <laughs> I saw that he shot stuff like Leonard Part Six, and who's that girl? <laughs> I was like,
2: what? <laughs> yeah, there are
1: there are well, some. No, go ahead.
2: Oh no, I was gonna say we were just talking about Leonard Part Six and the B action thread.
1: <laughs> oh wow, I have I have not seen it, but I think.
2: I've I think, never seen it either. I actually, think
1: bef- I think before you get to, if, before you establish a name, I think cinematographer is one of those jobs where you you do such a wide variety of films.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But what's great about <coughs> Die Hard too is like you know all the all the support, much like Predator to some degree, but a little bit more larger scale. All the characters in Die Hard play a significant role, even to where even like the limo driver. You know, he's fully realized in some way. Well, yeah, I think you know
1: a lot of what makes Die Hard great is its script and how yes. everything is set up, and every there's multiple levels of payoffs and um, setups, and it just it runs like a finely tuned machine.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and no. the villains yeah. are really faceless either; they all get points. Oh, and, yeah. oh yeah,
1: that's and I think when I watching Predator and this recently, I was just I was sort of I'm sort of struck. With, I think John McTiernan really. Knows how to give supporting, like small supporting roles, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of act like real character. Whether it's, you know, when uh, Takagi gets shot, and uh, you know they they uh, the uh, what's what's I'm sorry, what's the computer hacker's name? Uh, Theo. Theo. That's right. Theo. I, I thought Theo, and I'm like, no, you're racist. That's the name of the kid from the Cosby Show. It couldn't be Theo. <laughs> 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 so, so yeah, and then Theo wins the bet. With with the other guy and just like a lot of yeah. little things like that and the the interaction between the two brothers when one's trying to hook up the phones and then the other one's cutting the other, them with the chainsaw like and the humor is so flawless
3: I mean like I, even with just, even <laughs> with just like a terrorist is reaching over grabbing a candy bar
1: while he's waiting to shoot yeah Algion
3: them. yeah I like I mean just like little things like that
1: little moments <laughs> the SWAT guy running through the thorn bushes and the or, or th- the, the, the rose from- bushes and pricking his finger. <laughs>
3: Yeah, or the dad from Family Matters just reacting to his car being
0: shot <laughs> up, you know?
3: And I love the, the,
2: the, one, the one terrorist, Italian one, Marco, when he's like, no more table! <laughs> <Come>
1: on, <pal." laughs> you know, actually, you know, like, there's a lot of big explosions and gunfights and everything, but I think one of my favorite action sequences in the movie is the table. Because yeah, it's such it's great, it's that such, such a claustrophobic moment. Yeah, because it's such a clear. Okay, I know what he's doing. I don't know what he's going to do when he runs out of table. What's going to happen? And it's such a clear sort of. And again, it's the way John McTiernan shoots things that you have a clear understanding of the geography. It's gotta be one of the longest tables ever. All yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <the, laughs> and, and the zigzags. I have no idea what that table's designed for.
3: And the way the one liner pays off is just brilliant. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and 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 uh, you know, Bruce Willis <laughs> is not. You know, a guy. I mean, well known for his incredible acting skills. He's definitely had like you know, even something like Pulp Fiction. He's really good and mm-hmm. and but this is this was his coming out party and, and as an actor Yeah, yeah. He was oh, it's that so guy from Moonlighting's doing an action movie. Yeah, That's sort
1: of. Int- and then no, it's that guy from Die Hard is doing mm-hmm. uh, it. He will <laughs> always know? be
3: known as John McLean.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and he completely owns the role. and He's so funny in it, and just like just little lines he he because he finds himself amused with like he's just like fist with your toes (laughs) and you just and you just see him like making fists with his toes on the carpet and he's just like god damn it (laughs) works who's driving the car down
2: there stevie wonder yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah even when he's in the air conditioning vent he has to comment on like how ridiculous of the fact that he's in an air conditioning vent and not at a party
1: well yeah i think like yeah the script what the script since he's alone for so much of the time in order to get the exposition and to for the audience to follow his thought process, they had John McClane talk to himself a lot. Yeah, and I think instead it could have come off like, "Oh boy, here's the guy narrating to the audience again."
3: Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: what are you doing now? Narrate to the audience again. But it turned out to be one of the like what they did with it instead was no, he just makes comment. He just has a running commentary all the time, and he likes to comment on things like, "Oh, fucking California," <laughs> you know, <laughs> the guy gets him and stuff. Um. That's
2: a running co- and that's a running gag throughout the whole series because he's either either he's ranting to himself. Like when he t- when he ties up the the charges with the computer monitor and throws it on the shaft or like that, like, you know, he's just talking to himself.
1: Yeah. And it's and it's and it, yeah, and again, it was a screenwriting problem of when you have a lone character and he's formulating these plans. How do you let the audience in on it? And it could have come off as you know, kind of just exposition. And but that's it...
3: why he needed the walkie-talkie, and that's why he had to have, you know, the conversations with the cop. And, um. that, and that was something I was going to bring up in terms of like uh, some criticisms from from Roger Ebert is saying the the stuff outside cutting away from the claustrophobic intensity of what's taking place in the um, in the skyscraper is really forced and sort of ridiculous. Like the, you know, the, how could, how dumb can these cops be? Yeah. Right. We, we actually, before
1: we started recording, me and Jim listened to the, 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 Rod, the, uh, the, uh, Siskel and Ebert, Siskel and Ebert review of it. And Roger Ebert was really annoyed at, um, what's the actor? The Paul Gleason. Yeah. Paul, Paul Gleason's care, yeah. character and how, uh, how stupid he seems and everything. But I, I, like, what do you think, Rennie? What do you like? What do you think about sort of all the cutting away and the FBI agents and all of that?
2: Well, what do I think? Like, if they're stupid or you, I mean, do, like you, what do you do you
1: like? Do you think it works and do you think it helps the, the movie?
2: movie or? Oh, oh, the the outside rather than just keeping it claustrophobic, right. right? Yeah. Uh, I think some of it works because even though you've got it should be just really be McLean versus all the terrorists inside just to show what else is going on out there, it helps it out a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we want to see him talking to to Powell rather than him just being a voice on the line. Because we, yeah. we want to have a visualization rather than him, you know, he doesn't know him, he, he doesn't know what he looks like. That's why you got that big point at the end when they see each other and they just know. Yeah. So I, I like it. I, I I like how they, they play the feds and the cops as being pretty inept. You know, mm-hmm. that you don't see that often in movies.
1: No, and I I really love it. I think that's like honestly what I mean other than the sort of the script working like clockwork, what really makes the movie so special is is how wide its scope is without ever leaving the sky, you know, without ever leaving the skyscraper. It all takes place within a single night. I mean, mm-hmm. it all it, it, it's but within that night you see the city workers the guy who's like i can cut the power um you you see the uh you news see reporter the, yeah you see the news reporter and you have all these arcs and everything and it adds so much uh character and flavor and everything yeah then even,
3: the, well, even like i mean to the screenwriter's credit even the news reporter has a significant role outside of you know because him showing the kids and <clears throat> a picture of john doesn't like because that's how hans finds out um who John's wife is,
2: right? Well, Cause she had that picture that was turned over. Yes. Well, she turned it down Right. and he's in her office and then he they see the, the kids on the news and she sees them. And then he sees her looking at the kids and then he turns up the picture. Right.
1: Yeah. Well um, yeah. And Damon, Damon wrote a, Damon wrote an article, like a movie of the day uh, article about it a while back. And he said, and I, I totally agree sort of what makes it feel so modern now is how everyone is connected I mean, even though it was 1988 and there wasn't, you know, internet on your phone and Twitter and all of that, like everyone, it's, everyone is connected, uh, you know, from the guy in the limo to the people in the newsroom, to the people downstairs, to the SWAT team, like eh, to the terrorist, to John McClane, like everyone knows what's going on and it's, and they're, and everyone's sort of, you know, listening and watching everyone else and commenting on it. And, um, it could have gotten too, you know, it could have gotten too annoying, but I think what instead it just adds to it. Um, cause again, John McTiernan doesn't skip on supporting characters and right. the, the, he two, gives
3: them, he gives them just as much depth as the lead. The
1: two Johnsons have an amazing repertoire where, uh, <laughs> they're, they're flying in on the helicopter and it's like, woo, just like Vietnam. It's like, I was in middle school, dick. <laughs> 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 like, um, So that's, like, honestly one of my favorite parts about the movie. I feel it could have been a really good, intense, thrilling action movie if it just stayed inside. But what I think makes it so funny and so entertaining is the wide scope um, and seeing all the different pieces come together.
3: And just seeing McLean develop the relationship with um, (coughs) the dad from Family Matters.
1: And it's actually funny because John McTiernan directed uh, Hunt for Red October. And one of the things I like about the book Hunt for Red October is the way that you see all the branches of military and the intelligence community and everyone reacting to this, you know, this uh, this captain of a Russian sub trying to defect. And you see, like, the people in the Air Force, they're just happy to have something to do instead of just running drills. And, you know, mm-hmm. you see the people in, over in uh, USSR freaking out and everything. And it's you, you get such a wide uh, sort of breadth of people reacting to this sort of one instance and what was kind of funny is the movie isn't like that the movie could have been you know uh hunt for october could have been like die hard where you see all these things but instead it's it focuses on the
3: submarine (laughs) yeah it mostly
1: it mostly focuses on jack ryan and uh sean connery's character whose name i can't remember Hmm. and i was actually kind of disappointed in that i i would have liked it to be more like that in, in terms of die hard Another yeah. thing
2: to point out about Die Hard is that in, in the '80s, you know, mostly every movie had the lead being virtually indestructible, and then here in Die Hard, I mean, he's extremely vulnerable. Yeah, Absolutely, he's, he's right.
3: bleeding and he's walking on the glass. No and, shoes. Yeah, and I
1: mean that. Yeah, and the, this was like, yeah, this is the age of Rambo Part Two, and um, yeah,
3: yeah, and that's the, I mean, giving him you know a sense of like his mortality is being threatened, and not just you know like oh I have a big machine gun and I can go. You know, shoot people and look at my abs,
1: and and it's always it's always more <laughs> thrilling. You know, like you know, like car chases are always more thrilling when the people behind the cars seem like oh shit, like they like they're afraid they're gonna crash at any moment. Yeah, you know, and it's the same thing. Like action scenes, like when the people are seem genuinely terrified that oh my god, these three terrorists have machine guns and they're chasing me and they're shooting bullets. At like that's so much more, uh, you know, exciting and thrilling than. You know, something like the end of Commando, which is the end of Commando is fun in a different way, oh, but yeah. where it's just Arnold Definitely. Schwarzenegger mowing down people.
3: And that, and that's like, kind of what's sad, what they did with Live Free or Die Hard is they tried to make John McClane into Rambo or Commando and like a superhuman, you know, and like, look at me, I'm jumping off the wings of jets in <laughs> the middle of a highway and I'm, I'm indestructible. And that's that's unfortunate. Because that's not at all what the original was all about. That's not who yeah. John McClane I, is.
1: It's been a while since I saw Die Hard Two or Three. And I, I even liked Live Free or Die Hard. I think it's a fun movie. And I think Bruce The action Willis, sequences uh, are good. I liked it too.
3: I, I, I like the action sequences. I just felt like they sort of lost some of the charisma, I think, I think John there were, McClane there were had. I think
1: what I kinda liked about it though was in there were parts of Live Free and Die Hard where Bruce Willis or like John McClane is laughing where he seems to be laughing at the movie. Like he, yeah. Like he seems to be laughing at just at the sheer insanity of the situation. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I just did that. That's hysterical. <laughs> I love his
2: rant right before he gets in the cop car and, and drives it into the helicopter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right.
3: Yeah, I remember being <clears throat> pretty indifferent to the other sequels. I mean, I definitely didn't actively dislike them. I think I like I think I like Die Hard two the least out of all of them.
2: That um, seems to be the the general consensus of a lot of people. Yeah, especially in the I just didn't feel like the
3: I didn't feel like the villains were nearly as threatening, and and the fact that Rickman is like he's got this perfect combination of charisma and malice, and like you know he keeps his sense of and humor. And he's even in a check. little
1: he's even a little fey. Like at times he's like it's it's Christmas Theo it's the time for miracles I love that I love I love his delivery of that line and even that that you know the scene
3: where him and Bruce meet up under false pretenses
1: is pretty incredible Ah are are you gonna shoot me
2: (laughs) Oh God don't shoot me don't shoot me Yeah that's so funny
1: I know Um yeah I really like I really like that scene and um, I really love Alan Rickman in it and I and again the script went through like any good action action. It's like any good movie with this many machinations and everything. The script went through a thousand drafts, and what finally cracked it for them was, was that they're not terrorists; they're thieves. Like right. they claim to be terrorists, but they're thieves, and that way you can root for them, because instead <laughs> of having a political motivation, oh, they're just stealing money, and they're you know, so you can have fun with them. I love
3: it when he says, "I and read it, about it in Time." Magazine. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: and structurally, like. Bruce Willis is almost the antagonist like it's almost like we're hot like it almost is like Hans Gruber is the guy you're rooting like how's he going to get the money you wonder how's he going to break the locks how's he going to do that thing you know it's sort of it's almost like a heist movie where where Bruce Willis comes and screws everything up
2: (laughs) and so do the feds when they when they cut the power that's how they get the money after all yeah That's that's why they wanted them
1: and I mean obviously he's he's undoubtedly the villain like when they shoot the they shoot the sWAT vehicle and everything, but like there is enough there and the and the and the uh the henchmen and stuff are colorful enough that you really don't mind when it cuts back to them, you know normally, the only way villains can really keep your interest um is is like if they go over the top and or if they're silly or if they have weird you know quirks. Or if they're just completely,
3: or if they're just completely menacing the whole time,
1: right? Um, but like these, these you actually relate to them as characters, and I think it's what really makes the movie uh, stronger and fun to watch the entire time, even though it's you know nearly two and a half hours. Yeah, even, I, It I also, flies but, by. It sure does. Yeah. I know it's crazy. I, I would very say fast-paced. the only thing I think kind of doesn't work. Is uh Reginald Bell Johnson's speech about shooting the kid. <laughs> Where <laughs> kind of comes out of nowhere, but he, it kind of comes out of nowhere and he goes and he goes, um and he says, uh, the kid had a zip gun. It looked real enough. And that's it. <laughs> like that's that's his justification. I don't know. It looked like it looked like a it, it was a ray gun. Oh,
2: it was dark. Yeah, it was dark. <laughs> and look real enough to me. Yeah.
1: Uh that part always seemed a little silly to me, but he does get he does get a little triumph of moment where he's the one who shoots uh uh what's I can't remember the blonde that henchman's Russian
3: name. Dude, yeah, I can't remember his Carl. Name. Carl Carl, there we go. Yeah. <coughs> no, but Die Hard is a perfect I actually
1: uh, I saw Die Hard in theaters this this uh this this past Christmas. Was there a lot of quoting along? No, actually, but people are really into it. But uh like, I think around December 18th or whatever, the local repertory theater near my house, the, or not near my house, but in the, in Chicago, the Music Box, they had a, a alternative Christmas double feature where instead of watching uh, White Christmas and uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, you can watch Die Hard and Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and those are my two favorite Christmas movies, so it was great. And it was kind of funny. Number one, they both are worked amazing in, you know, in a crowd and it was great seeing it on the big screen. The sound design is really big and fun and I don't have a like surround sound or anything. So I you know, this is my only opportunity to really experience it in that way. Um, and then also I, I, I feel like the original Bill Johnson speech about shooting the kid was sort of similar to the Phoebe Kate speech <laughs> about her dad dying in Gremlins, where it sort of comes out of nowhere. Yeah and, and it's kinda of like,
3: What the hell? <laughs> Yeah, way to way to change things Man, up. I
2: wish we had repertory or revival houses down here. We don't. While we got our new theaters. I have to drive up to San Antonio, and then that's where the nearest draft house is. Oh, oh Where
1: yeah. are you
3: located? We didn't even. I didn't even get that. Where, where, oh, uh,
2: I live like way down at the bottom of Texas. Like literally, I can drive maybe ten miles, in the border's right there. So like Brownsville to
3: or Corpus Christi. Or... So Brownsville
2: Brownsville's about forty miles from or thirty five miles from where I live.
3: Okay. Yeah, and I know yeah, where. So I know the vicinity. Yeah. So um, I had a friend I mean, that lived in uh, McAllen, Texas, and we could cross the border pretty much just by walking.
2: Oh, you lived in McAllen, too?
3: I didn't, but my friend did, and I went to visit him. Oh, my friend Dan. Sure.
2: Yeah. McAllen's a nice town.
3: Yeah, it was. So anyway, yeah. To summarize things, I think we both can safely agree that uh, Die Hard is a masterpiece, and absolutely. Um. Make that three, because uh, I let's briefly. Excellent. um Let's briefly go through the rest of McTiernan's uh, filmography and sort of make any comments on any of his other films. I know you. I got to comment. It. His
2: commentaries suck. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? I I, I, I I saw his. I I saw Basic in the theater, and then I bought the DVD used, and I heard the commentary, and it put me to sleep. Really.
1: <laughs> I, there are some directors who are... So boring. Oh, man. Is is it like a... Well, there's there's two kind of bad directors. There's William Friedkin, I'd say, who does bad commentary because he just narrates what's going on. And Ouch. Then, <coughs> and then there's uh, Robert Altman, who always insists on doing commentaries, but all of his commentaries, like, have long lapses of silence. Um, I hate that. Was it... <laughs> so, um... Before he... he sounds
2: monotonous when he talks. Oh yeah. That's another. That's another thing. It's very, it's very droll and boring. Is it just him? Yeah.
1: That's. I feel most. I feel comment. I really like commentaries, but I feel you need two people at least.
2: Yeah. absolutely. Because there's very, there's very few people that you can listen to by themselves that actually un engaging. Like, all, all those commentaries I've heard by Sylvester Stallone are interesting, and he's <laughs> always by himself, but he's always got a lot to say.
1: Does he do anything? Somebody
2: like John Carpenter and Kurt Russell together? Oh
1: yeah. Oh, the thing commentary is so great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where they're they're he, sort of number one. I love John Carpenter. You always hear him lighting up. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I'm sure there's no smoking in that recording booth, but he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Kurt
3: Russell is great. He's got the best laugh, and like the probably my favorite commentary might be Used Cars. Robert Zemeckis. I was
2: about to mention
1: that. <laughs> yeah,
3: Robert Zemeckis, Bob Gale, Kurt Russell. The movie starts off hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, the commentary is even funnier.
1: Um all right, but let's go uh let's go through uh John McTiernan's movies. Uh before he did Predator, he did Nomads, which I haven't seen in Jimmy. Have you seen this?
3: I wanted to see it, but
1: Renny. It's his only movie as a writer. I've never seen it.
3: It's his only movie as a writer, apparently.
1: With the uh, Pierce Brosnan.
3: Oh, I love the poster of the Nomads in the in the sky. Uh, I'm looking on Wikipedia though. I was like apparently
1: Adam Adamant is in this. I don't know. <laughs>
2: I'm on. I'm on his. I'm on the IMDb. Music. It's got the MGM DVD cover for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's not as interesting as the Wikipedia. Heads.
3: You should see the Wikipedia poster for it. It's really funny. Um, yeah, I. I Brosnan I, looks upset. It's it's it's, it's funny. <laughs> he because... always looks
1: upset. <laughs> 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 he's probably upset because he's been yet again called upon to uh, to to lead a movie, and he's not very good. <laughs> oh man.
3: It's weird because like I, I know I've seen Flight of the Intruder. Oh wait, that's he, he did. He produced that movie. Okay, I was I was wondering because I didn't think he
1: directed. All right. That. So after, uh, obviously Hunt for October. Yeah, which, which is, we. That's eh, okay. I. I I've
3: really seen
2: it that. once.
1: It's 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 yes. no Crimson Tide. No, not very few things. What I'm time.
2: what I'm finding that's incredible is he's only uh, he's only directed like what twelve movies on here. Yeah, he hasn't really it, done much. It seems like he's directed more.
3: I know. And I, I mean, I've heard horrible things about Rollerball,
1: um, and Basic too. But I, I
2: Basic was okay. I I like that one. Was
1: was hmm. Basic Basic was basically like a remake of <laughs> of uh, I know. Uh, Rashomon. Is, yeah, Rashomon, right?
2: Yeah. Interesting. I've never seen Rollerball, so I I, I don't know. If I I heard that's good that I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I heard that's terrible. I know Carly saw it on a date. Um, I
3: think there's a horrible Tara Reid and Jerry O'Connell movie that was like a teenage, an American Pie version of Rashomon. Really? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's supposed to be horrible. I can't remember. I just remember because Tara Reid showed her boobs in it. Can we do a
1: Can we do a bonus episode where we just talk about all the different versions of Rashomon there has been?
3: (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is the movie I'm thinking about. I hope it is. Body
1: Shots. Body Shots was... I've heard of that movie. That's like Rashomon? Yeah, well, it's like... I've heard of it,
3: too. It's uh, eight different characters. Each tell their uh, version of a drunken debauchery gone terribly wrong, which led to a murder. (laughs) And it's all different characters at different times talking (laughs) from their point of view of what happened. Anyway, sidetracking.
1: God, American... God, that pitch meeting must have been fantastic. (laughs) It's like American Pie meets Rashomon. (laughs) Here's a million dollars.
3: I mean, I'm sure it's more dramatic than America. Uh, after,
1: but... after Hunt for Red October, he did Medicine Man with uh, Sean Connery and uh, uh,
3: Ray Liotta's wife from Goodfellas. L-
1: L- 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 right, Lorraine Br- Branco, fr- Alto from Sopranos. Uh, yes, which I haven't seen yet, which uh, is wrong. <laughs> about, let's see. An eccentric scientist working for a large drum company is working on a research project in the Amazon jungle. He sends for a research assistant close to the cure for cancer oh they I've never in... seen
2: it I just know he has long hair It has yeah. got
1: a mixed reception from the critics they fall in love um after a medicine man he made the movie that probably probably well I'm not gonna say it's least successful because 13 warrior 13th warrior wasn't very successful but uh last action hero it's a movie <laughs> Me and Jim all the time whenever whenever we talk about movies, we just we keep mocking uh, Brian Austin. No, Austin O'Brien. <laughs>
3: Brian Austin Green from nine oh two one oh no yeah,
1: I was gonna say Brian Austin Green. Austin O'Brien, this movie.
3: Yeah. I actually kinda like this movie. Me too. I mean it's it, it's it,
2: real meta. Yeah. It's ahead of it was ahead of his time.
1: Yeah. Definitely. It's uh you I, know
2: I saw it in the theater, my
1: brother took me to go see it. So did I, as a matter of fact. Um I like it, but it it was it was rushed, mm-hmm. and it really could have used another edit because it is slow.
3: It is pretty slow. I mean, especially once Schwarzenegger comes into the real world, I feel like it it really gets bogged down quite a bit. But even
2: they should have just stayed in the in the film world, where they could have just gone crazy with everything. Yeah, it yeah. took
1: it takes forty minutes for them to get into the film world. <laughs> Danny DeVito is the voice of Whiskers. Yeah, I forgot about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, the animated cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, no. This has a good supporting cast. It's got uh Charles Dance is a great villain. There's that great moment where he, I think he kills the uh, parking parking uh, garage attendant. Oh, and no one cares. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Aren't anyone going to come and arrest me?" And just nothing. <laughs> Take uh, his shoes. <laughs> and this was uh,
3: Art Carney's last movie. Wow. Was it?
1: Yeah. Uh, that's right. He played the theater owner, right?
3: No, that was uh, Robert Prosky. Oh the uh, garage yeah. owner from Christine <laughs> that's how i remember
1: him oh that's right art carney was was one of the guys tied up like no, Art carney... my my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah, second
2: yeah. cousin frank yes yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny movie shane black shane black was one of the screenwriters and he's he's he, he doesn't do bad scripts he's really funny
3: yeah it just like you said the ending wasn't very good it's
1: and it's very long uh and then I, I don't like how it is. They tease the idea where he's like, where he's like, I could unleash anybody. Darth Vader, Freddy Krueger, God's, you know, and then they just go with death. <laughs> yeah. From an Ingmar Bergman movie. And Tom
2: Noonan as the Ripper. Yeah. Tom yeah. Noonan as
1: the Ripper is great. Yeah. He, like, I love, I don't know if it's Tom Noonan or if it's just like the makeup, but there's something about that character, the Ripper that feels like, oh yeah, there's totally a history between them. <laughs> like, it totally feels like the end of a movie. Uh, it's got a lot of great sort of uh, Shane Black one-liners and what makes his one-liners so great is that they seem to be like they're always aware that they're one-liners so they're they're always like sort of self-referential or they're like a little too bad like here's a couple of acres when he kicks the guy in the nuts <laughs> he's like you want to be a farmer here's a couple of acres
2: <laughs> Leo the fart's gonna pass gas for the last time yeah
1: Rob a baby buggy bumper um, no, it's a fun movie. But it it's, is fun. I mean, it's flawed. I, but, and and Arnold Schwarzenegger's know. Hamlet is a great is a great sequence. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, after Last <laughs> Action Hero, he did Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I really don't remember very well at all. I thought it was okay. I mean, I, I really liked it a lot. Yeah,
2: yeah. Even though it, it wasn't meant to be a, a Die Hard movie, it, Jonathan Hensley had made a scripts call a script called Simon Says. I think that's what it was called actually. Oh. And and then they they converted it into a Die Hard movie.
1: Was that From was that the I case was... with Die Hard 2 as well or was Die Hard 2 written as a Die Hard movie?
2: I sure believe was. Die Hard 2 was written as a Die Hard movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I know part 3 was an original Die Hard movie.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I mean I, I... No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was I was just going to say I saw it first on TV. So what I remember is John McClane walking out with a sandwich board sign but instead of it, it, instead of using the n-word, it, it just says, I hate myself.
2: No, it says, I hate everybody, doesn't <laughs> it? Oh, I hate, it. <laughs> that's right, okay, yeah. It says, I hate
1: everybody. And old Jackson's like, what are you doing with that sign? You're going to get killed.
2: <laughs> I dragged my parents to go see it. Like, I had been, like, totally begging and pleading, take me to go see Die with the Vengeance. Take me to go see it. Uh-huh. And they took, they took me to see it that, that first weekend, and I just had a blast with it.
1: Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, the first first Die Hard movie I saw in theaters was uh, Live Free or Die Hard, and so but and then I saw the original just you know in December. But um,
3: and Jeremy All Irons turned his, out to be the yeah.
1: next the next film on his filmography is ch- com- criminally underrated. The Thirteenth Warrior, based on a Michael Crichton, isn't it? It's like a retelling of Beowulf or something.
2: Yeah, like it's got so much. Greatness and the sword, the sword fights hmm. are awesome. Yeah. It, or, also, this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't not doubt that it's also got a bit of the Seven Samurai in there, also.
1: Yeah, I, I never saw this either. Um, what's it about?
2: Well, Antonio Banderas plays an Arab, and Omar Sharif shows up at the beginning, and uh, the, he, he's exile he's exiled from. Oh, I don't remember exactly where he's at, but he's exiled from from where he's at because he was he was in love. With like the king's uh, king's wife, and they send him out to be an ambassador, which is really just like you know banishing him, and then they end up near some Norsemen, and this old witch starts uh, talking. Well, I'm sorry. This little boy shows up, and he starts telling the Norsemen there about this uh, plague that that's there at the village, which is they're they're supposed to be like demons. And then this old witch shows up and then she starts telling everybody that 13 warriors have to go with the boy back to his homeland to go defeat this evil. Hmm. And I like it. It's pretty good. I mean, it's got a lot of action in it and.
3: A media studies professor listed (laughs) it listed it as uh, one of the best films uh, with um, that portrays Arabs as being heroic. So, it's I don't know, I'm trying to think of other movies that would fall under that category. Like how uh, do you, do you make a top 10 films of heroic arabs.
1: Yeah, not 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 enough. Yeah, there should be Probably more. Sinbad movies. How yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be it? Um, and basically, like basically
2: it's people dressed up like bears, which I thought was really awesome too.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's it's like uh, You guys need to see it. I am definitely interested. So it's I'm like probably going to skip rollerball. Though. Yeah, I will skip roll. Uh, no, he did. Next one he did was Thomas crown affair, which is a good movie. I saw it once in the theater.
3: Hmm. That's saying. This was actually good. I just never got around to seeing I see haven't it. even seen the original.
1: Yeah. But uh, now this is a fun movie. Uh, Rene Russo and Pierce Brosnan are fun in it. Um, hmm. You know, and about it. It's about like, a, it's a light movie. It's about like, you know, a, a paint thief painting right. not a paint th- he doesn't steal paint <laughs> he steals paintings he goes into <laughs> home depot that'd be great if there was just like maybe that's greats-
2: why he always looks mad yeah he thwarted me from stealing paint
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then the big reveal at the end of the paint thief movie is like oh he's been making this amazing mural in his garage oh yeah and it brings the whole community together hmm <laughs> All right. Well, I'm making that movie. I'm. You, you, you guys can should. have a Thomas Crown Affair. I'm going to make a movie about a paint thief.
3: You'll get Home Depot to sponsor it. <clears throat> so that's that which is Rollerball. Oh my God, Rollerball! Look at the soundtrack for Rollerball. You got <laughs> Pod, Drowning Pool,
1: Slipknot, Godsmack, Hoopa uh, I uh, stop been... me before I go to Amazon and order it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I actually, I've been, uh, I've been sort of getting into. Uh, I've been sort of. Every once in a while, like like fan films. Every once in a while, I get into a mood where I like metal music, and uh, since I don't really know many metal bands, and I like it's hard for me to listen to a whole album of a metal band because all the songs tend to sound the same to me. I'll just get will um, just go to the library and get soundtracks to like horror horror movies or action movies because it's all just like Slipknot, Drowning Pool, Edema, you know, <laughs> Static X. I think Cold Chamber did like a song on every single horror movie oh from 1999 God. to 2004. Fear Factory, <laughs> yeah, Fear Factory is always a big one. Uh, sometimes you get Crystal Method it's in there.
3: Oh yeah, uh, Fat Boy Slim. I know he's not metal, but <laughs> yeah, no. <it's, laughs> I just thought it's, of that we oh, said the, Crystal it's Method. The,
1: it's the techno. It's the techno metal crossover. So Rob Zombie's often there.
3: Yeah, uh, Rollerball was ranked. Number twenty eighth in the one hundred worst reviewed fi- worst reviewed films of the two uh, thousands, with a rating of three percent. And then I uh, yeah I don't unless this is falls under the so bad it's good category I would probably not venture out. To check what this I've heard
1: out. about Rollerball is it's so bad it's incoherent, oh, like great. where it's just something getting, didn't get shot or it's just it doesn't really edit together well and it just doesn't make any sense. Apparently he has a new movie coming out this year. What is it uh called The Camel the Wars. Wars The Camel Wars? Yeah, an Iraqi American soldier is sent to fight in the Iraq War and has to choose between his conscience and his country and comes to turn terms with an old centuries old civil war. Well, that sounds quite good. Now uh it says 2011, but I notice
3: I'm, I, I, he, it says is, in
1: production on the IMDb. Yeah, it, it says production status. It's not always reliable. Yeah, it says production status unknown, and there's not a single actor attached. <laughs> so the idea that it's coming out a, a war movie would, would at this point not have like a single actor attached.
3: But is John McTiernan coming out of prison? <laughs> is he out of prison? Did he get?
1: Oh, that's right. He uh, he. Did you know about this Rennie, that he wiretaps one of the producers of Rollerball? Uh,
2: I, I knew he was in prison for wiretapping, but I didn't know it was for rollerball. <laughs> it was
1: for, they're trying to kill my baby.
2: <laughs> Hold
1: on, let me. How uh, oh, that
2: movie could not be any worse. It just fucked him over. He yeah. was
3: charged in federal court with lying to the FBI um, during a phone call to his house in a wiretapping investigation involving a producer. Um, he, oh, he was. He pleaded guilty. On two thousand six, and he's no, no, currently no.
1: free on appeal. Oh, Okay, <coughs> good for him. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> Way to go! I wonder if there are like hordes of diehard, uh, diehard, and Predator fans outside of the courtroom, like there was for Michael Jackson's case, <laughs> like with signs, "We believe in you, John." <laughs> <laughs> Make
3: another
2: Die Hard movie, please. You
3: ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> 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 <I don't know. laughs> Well, this was an excellent uh, discussion, guys. Yeah, I, I really
1: appreciate you having. I think it I had a coming fun on fun time. Yeah, it was great. Um, I believe next time you you hear from uh, from me and uh, Jim, we're going to be at the uh, Music Boxes Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi Spectacular, sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, which is a 14 hour film festival of uh, films such as um, Event Horizon and Rubber and uh, The Blob, Croll. Yes, motherfucking <laughs> Kroll. I've never seen Kroll. I'm excited to see Kroll. You're
2: in for a treat, my friend. I have it on my Netflix list. I think it's on Instant also. I'm
1: I watched. I and then I think Critters I too. I haven't seen it either. Uh, but uh, Mick Garris is going to be there.
3: Big fan, and I'm a big fan of Chuck Russell.
1: Chuck Russell, that's right, from the blah, the director of the Blob. Yeah, but it's going to be there as well. I
3: think of a Dream Warriors question. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. <laughs> So, uh, Rennie, it was great having you on. Yeah, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. It's great
2: being here, Patrick. It's great being here, Jim. Hope yeah. I can make another appearance. Oh, oh yeah, de- definitely. Yeah, you definitely will,
1: for sure. Um, we're, uh, again, if you would uh, like to visit us, our, our website is directorsclubpodcast.com.
3: Directorsclubpodcast.com.
1: Uh, our email address. Visit us anytime. Yeah, anytime. We're always open. <laughs> it's weird how the web is like that. Uh, our email address, again, is directorsclub. Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a note to tell us what you like, what you don't like. You have suggestions, directors director, to cover, yeah. etc. cetera. We love hearing from our listeners. Uh, and if you're listeners. from the
3: uh, blogging or podcasting community and you want to come on and be a guest, we're, we're more than welcome to discuss that for sure. Yeah. And if, if you have a director you're passionate
1: about. And if you like it, go ahead and go on iTunes. uh Give us a good rating. Yeah, just do a, little, t- do a little tappity-tap on the keyboard. <laughs> a little good review, it helps. Yeah, why um, not? Go for it. It would be so, really sweet of you. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. So uh, until next time, I'm Patrick Rapol And I'm Jim Laskowski.
3: Yeah, and I've, I've, I've learned my lesson after seeing this movie to never make jokes about my girlfriend's pussy. Because I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna,
3: I'm gonna to be, be the first to go, apparently. <laughs>